Good evening. Thanks for joining us on this, uh, you know, it's a Wisconsin winter um, Monday night, so I, I'm impressed you're here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is exciting. This is the first time you and I have had an opportunity to teach together. Yeah. Are you nervous? Of course. Okay, you shouldn't be. <laughs> At least you're honest. Uh, Fritz was going to join us on stage tonight, too, but he caught whatever sneezy the snowman had, so he uh, is uh, not here tonight. And you're Fritz. already stealing my jokes. I think I came up with that. I don't think so. No way. You weren't even here. I, was, I wasn't here. Nope, I was not here for sneezy. I picked out the book, though. Okay. Well, it's even. Anyways, where are we starting? Uh, we're starting with the jugular question of, Sam, share the gospel with me in under a minute. One minute. One minute. Under That's a minute. all I get. Share the gospel. Like an elevator pitch. Elevator pitch with no elevator brakes, and you can't hit all the buttons on the elevator like Will Ferrell and Elf. So, so one minute. Okay. Yeah. Joseph really liked that one. So. Just for Joseph. Uh, okay, one minute. So uh, we're just in the elevator. Hey, have you, have you ever heard the good news about Jesus before? I don't know if I have. Let me, I've just got a minute. Let me tell you. Um, I mean, it starts with bad news. We have a problem. And you and I, we're, we're sinful people. Our sin separates us from God. And we've earned from our sin eternity separated from God. That's the bad news. But God sent Jesus into the world who lived the perfect life we never could have lived. He died in our place on the cross. He rose from the dead. And he paid the price of your sin and my sin on the cross. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then, then you can spend eternity with him forever. Did I make it? Did it. Crushed it. I'm pounding it. Um, you passed. I think if Fritz is tuning into the live stream, he just got saved. Tear rolling down his face. <laughs> there, you nailed it. So that's the goal, right? We want to get there in conversation. You want to have those opportunities to just lay it out so directly. But how do you get there? <laughs> that's what we want to talk about tonight is how we get to that one minute where we have the opportunity uh, to share the gospel with someone. That's our, our vision for 2022. We want to pray for one person a day. We want to engage one person a week, and we want to um, invite one person a month. That's our goal. Last week, we talked all about prayer, praying for people who don't yet know Jesus. Tonight, we're going to talk about engage and invite, how we engage people in spiritual conversations who don't yet know Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Philemon. Now, if you don't know where Philemon is, there is no shame and judgment in going to the front cover of your Bible and looking up what page number it's on, because it's probably just on one page of your Bible, and it's going to be really easy to miss, uh, but it was written by the Apostle Paul. It's just one chapter, and it was written to an individual named Philemon, but I think this passage really helps set the tone uh, for our conversation uh, that we're going to have tonight about engaging people with the gospel, uh, talking to them about Jesus. So I want to read Philemon uh, verses, see there's only one chapter, uh, verses four uh, through seven. So follow along with me as I read. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Did you catch what he said in verse six? I pray that the sharing of your faith 
may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that's in us for the sake of Christ. That's our goal tonight. That's our prayer for our conversation, our dialogue tonight, that each one of us can leave more further equipped equipped to share the good news, to engage people in conversations about the good news of the gospel. Because the good news of what Jesus has done for us is not just good news. It is the best news. There is no greater news that, that we could share the ability for someone to be saved from their sin, the, the gift of eternal life, the opportunity to have a, a relationship with God. There's no greater news. As Christians, we hold the key to, we, we, we're the ambassadors bringing that good news of salvation to a world that needs Jesus now more than ever. How selfish to keep that news to ourselves. It wasn't too long ago I had the opportunity to uh, to share and was able to talk about the gospel to a, a mixed group. There's a couple Christians, and it was mostly people who weren't believers. And it was short, but was able to talk a little bit about Jesus. And afterwards, one of the individuals who, uh, who I think had a relationship with Christ came up to me afterwards, and he just thanked me for what I, I shared. But then he kind of elbowed me, and he said, hey, nice job recruiting. And I knew what he meant. He's like, hey, I, I'm glad you were able to talk about Jesus, but that totally rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> because when we talk to someone about Jesus, are we l- recruiting them to join our team? No. It, sharing the gospel, inviting someone to encounter Jesus is so much deeper than recruiting. We're inviting dead people to come to life. We're inviting people to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. One of the reasons, one of the why that we should engage people with the gospel is because we have the best news. So caveat tonight, caveat that we had last week. Tonight, we're talking to those of us here that have a relationship with Christ, that are followers of Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, first of all, we are so glad you're here. And I hope that just by being here with our young adult family, that you'll come to understand that there is nothing better than knowing Jesus. There's nothing better than believing in him as your savior. But because we know Christ, if you do, then it's important for us, it's imperative for us to share the good news, the best news of the gospel with those that need to hear it. So that's one of the reasons why uh, we should engage in in spiritual conversations. But what's another reason? You're giving me the heavy one. (laughs) I'm going to start with just the elephant in the room. Health. It's, uh, I hate that word. It's a really sobering sad, heavy reality that people are dying without a relationship with Christ, and they're going to spend eternity without God. Um, grappling with that, recognizing that as reality, as their eternal reality, should motivate us. Um, the, the most important moment in someone's experience is right after they die. Will their soul go to spend eternity with God or apart from God? That is the most important moment in existence. And are they ready for that moment? Are they ready to stand before God? So it's, it's fearful at times, right, to share your faith. I'm going to set the bar here for that. It is way more terrifying to, to grapple with what could happen mm. if they die without the Lord. So those are just a couple of the reasons why we think it's important, um, why we think God thinks it's important for us to share our faith. But before we get practical, which we want to spend some time 
being practical, doing some equipping tonight, uh, providing some tools on how we can engage in spiritual conversations. Before we get there, uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the perspective that we need to have before uh, we enter into those conversations. Maybe it's uh, the thoughts that should be running through our head as we're driving to that coffee meeting, knowing that we're about to share the gospel, or we're uh, getting ready to you know, board the plane and, and we're just preparing that maybe God's going to bring somebody in the seat next to us, or maybe we're on our way to that family gathering and we know that we want to talk to that relative about the good news of Jesus. What are some things that should be going through our mind as we prepare to engage? Here's a couple. One, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. We talked about it last week. And it's God who does the work in people's hearts. We might plant or we might water the seed, but it's God that causes the growth. And before we ever open our mouth to share the gospel, we've got to go to the Lord and and ask, uh, do a great work in their heart. Call them from death to life. Convict them of their sin. Remove the blinders from their eyes. Open their eyes to the beauty of the gospel. We've got to spend time in prayer. And then second, we have to prepare our hearts to listen. One of the best ways we can love people is by listening to them, by hearing their stories. When we enter into a spiritual conversation with someone, we don't want to think of it as a debate. We don't want to think of it as recruiting. We don't want to think about it as as trying to win an argument or, or prove a point. We want to hear their story. We want to listen, and we want to love them. What else? I think it's really important to be expectant, to be hopeful. Um, as scary, as nerve-wracking as those conversations can be, you just have no idea where the Lord is working. Um, this is going to be the first of, of many stories that between us that we share. I guess you've already shared one, but I haven't. Um, Yours are better than mine anyway. No, not <laughs> um, Our parents uh, did not know the Lord growing up, so they got saved in their young 30s. And I love their story. I just think it's a really rare story of a couple um, giving their lives to the Lord, and then starting new Christian life together. But obviously that came through a variety of circumstances. Uh, They started going to a church uh, in Waukesha, E-Free Church, so really similar theology to Highland. And there was an evangelism explosion team that went to their house because they'd just been attending. They grew up Catholic. They were not yet saved. And this evangelism explosion team showed up at their house and like, hey, we want to share the gospel with you. So it was a uh, group from the church. So they knew they were coming. They had a, a good time together. And at the end of this team sharing the gospel, they were like, do you want to pray to receive Christ? And the parents were like, nope, <laughs> we're not ready. They were like, hey, can we come back next week? And my parents were like, yeah, sure. Come back next week. It's just like the dream, right? So they returned the next week, and the next week they were ready, and they gave their lives to the Lord. And yes, that was one instant, um, but that became a ripple effect of what God has done in and through them. And so going into those opportunities, expectant and hopeful that God is powerful. He is at work. He is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine. No way did that team of three ever say, yeah, and would their oldest child be a pastor? And would their second go to seminary? Would their third be a witness down in Chattanooga, Tennessee? Like, no way would they have had that perspective. But God is so cool to take 
those stories and weave them together. And I think along those lines, I mean, in our small groups last week, we were able to pray together, and a lot of our small groups came up with some names of individuals that you want to take to the Lord and ask that they might also know Jesus like you do. And how expectant then for us as a small group to come back to those names and ask that the Lord might bring those people to a saving knowledge of himself and then celebrate when those individuals cross from death to life. That's just a great way even as a small group for us to practice that expectancy. Yeah. So, okay. And help each other along the way. What do I do? I'm stuck. Also true. Yep. Also true. So there's a little bit of what to do before we engage. Now we're just going to be practical for a little bit on how do we, how do we engage uh, in spiritual conversation. So that's our first step um, under uh, the how is engage in spiritual conversation. Engage in spiritual conversation. And we've got a couple maybe subpoints underneath this. So sure. um, where would this start? How do, how do we engage in the how? How do we engage in spiritual yeah. conversation? Just being genuine. If you are going to church, if you have a loving relationship with the Lord that's impacting every aspect of your life that should flow out of us naturally, right? It shouldn't be, if I have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, it's like an insult for them to say, well, I didn't even know you were religious. Mm. It's like, really? You, didn't, you haven't clued in? I guess I haven't really been genuine along the way that this matters to me. Mm. So I think we'll find ourselves in situations that you're like, wait, wait, we're having this conversation right now by being genuine along the way. Um, like a coworker asked me uh, a few months ago, um, we, were, we were having more spiritual conversation, but it wasn't like, where are you at? What do you believe? And she just like soft underhand pitch of like, well, what's the big deal between faith and good works? I was like, well, that's a really big deal. Like, I would love to talk about that. Are you really asking right now? Like, yes, please, let's talk about that. So just like unreal circumstances, I think, can where you're like, wow, this is, are you trying to make this easy to have this conversation yeah. by just being genuine and inviting the conversation along the way? Yeah. Um, I have kind of befriended one of my coworkers, and uh, she's great. She's awesome at her job. I respect her a ton, and she lost her dad pretty early on in my time with the company. And would, you know, so she refers to her dad probably more than like the normal interaction. Her dad is a really strong Catholic and she really admired her dad's, you know, dedication and, dis and discipline. And she knew that, you know, I'm a seminary student and, you know, serious about my faith. And so she would kind of say stuff like, well, I should know my Bible better. Or, you know, my dad was a really good Catholic. I should probably start trying again. And it was like the second or third time, and I just felt the Lord kind of put it on my heart. Like, just ask, hey, do you want to read something together? And I thought it was just going to be an absolute no. She was like, you know what? Let me think about that. I'll get back to you. It was about a month after that she was like, hey, I would really love to do that. I thought the relationship was tanked. And she was excited to read through Matthew together. Hmm. She knew that I love the Lord and know the Bible. And I was like, hey, I want to learn the Bible better too. Let's do this together. So you're inviting someone into something that matters to you rather than just yeah. kind of saying, this is what I believe and you should believe this too. Yeah. So in addition to being genuine there, there's also a concept of like God providing an open door. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't too long ago. Um, I think it was this past summer. I love ultimate Frisbee. Try to play every Tuesday night that I can. 
and there's a group of guys uh, that and gals that play down at uh, John Muir. So I play on Tuesday nights, and it wasn't too long ago uh, over the summer I was playing, and there's this high school kid who's pretty good. And after one of the points, he just starts talking about, well, yeah, Sam, did you know that like being Lutheran is like the same as being Catholic, except like Martin Luther like just took books out of the Bible. And if you know anything about the Protestant Reformation, like that is totally not the truth, right? So, I mean, the hair on the back of my neck stands up and I'm like, okay, I want to like defend theology here. But that was the last thing that I should have done. Um, instead, he just opened the door wide open. It's like, wow, I would love to talk to you more about that. Why don't we get coffee? And sometimes when the Lord opens that door to a spiritual conversation, we've got to walk into it and we've got to enter into it. Yeah, like actually ask them to go on a walk, grab yeah. lunch, come to church. Just be bold and invite them along to what you're learning. So, yeah. great. Yeah. How about this one? Number oh, three. Oh, yeah, thanks. Offer to pray. Um, there are hurting people all around us. And the coworker that has a daughter who's, you know, has medical tests pending. You know, the results are waiting. That's that's terrifying. Like, offer to pray for her and her daughter. That's just one example. And that's such a disarming, yeah. genuine way to offer care. Like, I have very little to give them, right? The Lord can meet their needs exponentially more than I can. So offering to pray, I think, is such a sweet bridge to those deeper conversations. And I'd, I'd encourage you to go deeper than saying, hey, I'll pray for you later. Um, if you offer to pray, take two minutes, pause right there, and just pray for them. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a great opportunity. I don't know too many people that, hey, could I pray for you right now, who are going to say, yeah, no, you can't. Uh, right. There's a couple. Like sure. it, It's happened, but sure. not very often, especially if it's somebody that you know. Yeah. Here's another way we can engage in a spiritual conversation is simply just by inviting people to church. This is maybe a, the, a lower bar way to engage. It's by inviting somebody to come to church or inviting somebody to come to young adults on a Monday night. Uh, and then that provides an opportunity to follow up that after the sermon on Sunday morning or after the teaching on a Monday night to be able to say, what did you think? What was your experience? What did you think of my small group leaders and the questions that they were asking? And, and having that spiritual conversation, that could be an open door. And that's how we're trying to design our winter conference that John and Bobby were talking about coming up in less than two weeks. Our sessions on Saturday morning are designed for us. We're talking about some pretty hard-hitting things like how a Christian should respond to race or sexuality or the problem of evil. But then those afternoon activities where we're like throwing axes and going tubing and learning how to make desserts and like all those crazy things, then into our evening session is much more accessible. So maybe there's a coworker or a family member or a friend that you think, yeah, I, I think they might come. They might come tubing with me and then st stick around. We can have some delicious pulled pork for dinner on Saturday night that we're having a friend cater in. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait for that. You're like more excited about that than anything. I'm so That has gotten way more pork. air time. The pulled pork. It's, re <laughs> it's really good. Okay, whatever. We'll move past the pulled pork. And then, I mean, Bobby was most excited for the fire in his house, right? So you can That's invite true. him to stick around pyro. for that. The pyro, the young adults pyromaniac. Um <laughs> Maybe that's a way to engage in conversation is to invite somebody to, to join from that Saturday afternoon on for our winter conference. Step two, 
Is that where we're at? Did we already finish step one? Yeah. Wow, this is going fast. Cloud through. Um, step two is expose their need for the Lord. Expose their need for the Lord. That might sound really harsh. No one likes that feeling of exposure to be put under a spotlight. But if I had cancer, it would be the most loving thing for a doctor to tell me, you're sick and we need to do something about it. Just the most loving thing to do from a human to another human to say, you need the Lord. And one of the best segues that I've found to making that clear to someone is to expose their heart, their heart's searching. We are made to know God and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in the Lord. I bank on that in interactions with, un- with unbelievers, that they're searching. They don't necessarily know they're searching, but they're searching. And that might come in a variety of different aspects and aspects of conversation, you know, complaining about this, worried about that, fearful about that, um, exposing how that is really their heart searching for security, comfort, peace that only God can provide. They're trying to harness the securities, the, the satisfactions of life, and it's not going to work. Yeah. It seems like maybe one of the best ways to expose somebody's need for Jesus or expose their need for the Lord probably comes to the form of a really good question. Mm-hmm. And as you notice on the back of your handout, Maggie's put together, I don't know how many on your handout, eight, maybe eight or nine, something like mm-hmm. that. There's some sub-questions there, so it depends how you count. Um, some great questions to kind of go deeper and engage in spiritual conversation. And we're going to talk about a couple of these. We're not going to talk about all of them. We'll talk about a couple mm-hmm. of them um, and maybe some stories that have been helpful. But there's some like deep stuff here. Like, do you find that like people will actually like answer the question? Like, I mean, yes. <laughs> like, what do you think happens after you die? Yeah. I mean, that. Obviously, you get there, right? You don't like lead out with that because most people would like turn around <laughs> so you and down say, on the plane you're and you, psychotic. But you sit down on the plane, you look across the person next to you like, hey, so what do you think what happens after you die? happen when you die? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you know something I don't? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not yeah, the right no. thing to lead off on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> As you're listening to Adele, Skyfall, and yeah, no. Um, so kind of what I was whew, just talking about with the contentment aspect, that really is teased out in question two. So how is that working? How is that going for you is really the follow-up question to someone opening up about a life struggle. Right? Let's say you play adult league Frisbee and someone's, you know, hey, you know, I can't believe this is happening right now. My family, this drama, you know, wow, I, I don't know what I would do with that. Like, how are you handling that? You know, and if they're not a believer, and really still as believers, we don't often navigate the complexities of life in a wise way yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. So asking that next question about what are you doing about that? Like, how are you handling that? I, I don't know what I would do. Well, I'm kind of avoiding it. You know, I don't, I don't really know how to handle it. Yeah. Insert question, how is that going? Is that actually working? Hmm. Or is this just kind of perpetuating the problem? Helping them see that their attempts to manufacture satisfaction and comfort is nothing close to what the Lord has to offer them. Or you spin it a different way. I mean, you look at that first question, what did your family believe in growing up? It's another way to to hear somebody's spiritual story. 
but not leaving it there. Mm-hmm. You're actually follow up, following up then and asking, okay, how's that working for you? Like, is that, a, let's say, you know, they go to church a couple times a year. Is that, is that working for you? Is that, is that providing the satisfaction that you desire? Um, I, I just think that's a brilliant follow-up question. I'd never really thought of that before, but you're, you're, not, you're not leaving them. Yeah, you're, I don't know what analogy I'm looking for, but you're, you're taking it. There we go. That's what yeah, I'm looking thanks. for. You're taking it to the next level. I'm like iconic for combining those sayings and then they just they don't, don't make, make sense. sense. So okay. I know other people with similar problems, but you don't want to do it from up here. Um, and then that follow-up question of like, how did that shape where you are now with that family question of, you know, no, I'm good. I kind of did the whole church thing growing up. Okay, well, you know, how did that leave a bad taste in your mouth? Just trying to make connections and help people even see the bigger picture a little bit more clearly too, that their spiritual life or lack of a spiritual life affects the other aspects of their life or whole people. So can really the things that we struggle with physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, intelligently, like responsibly, all these categories, can that really like connect to our spiritual life? Absolutely. So trying to make those connections for people with some of these questions. So yeah. uh, that question number three, jugular I think it's question. Three. It might be your number two. Oh, what does it say? You. I changed them. So mm. yeah, didn't tell you. Thank you. You're welcome. So the, the question that states, <laughs> will you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? I was encouraged to just go there with people. Uh, a professor that I had in college was like, no, just make that explicit ask. I was like, ugh. So um, I had a friend over uh, probably about two years ago. We are making clay earrings together, a very disarming activity. And we have a good spiritual conversation, and she's telling me what she believes. I'm telling her what I believe. And it's, it's pretty clear, you know, there's a difference. And uh, I asked, like, you know, it seems like you're really processing. It seems like you're grappling with this. Like, will you give your life to the Lord today? She was like, no, I'm, I'm not ready. Okay, why? Like, we make and don't make decisions for a reason. So let's talk through some of those. And we did, and she still wasn't ready. I was like, okay, thanks. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for going there in conversation. I appreciate it. We go on a run probably a few months later. Hey, you were really kind of grappling with that when we were making earrings, like, where are you at now? You know, still kind of at the same place. I don't know, been thinking about it. Okay, kind of bring it back up. Don't push too hard. And then we went on another run, and that day she was ready. The Lord had just kind of continued to work and lovingly pursue her, and she was ready to surrender her life to the Lord. And so in the middle of this run, we just plopped down on the sidewalk next to probably Clement's insurance off of our... And she gives her life to the Lord, and we ran, I'm serious, like miles more than we expected. It was Holy Spirit-empowered running, <laughs> best run of my life. <laughs> so it was great. It was just an awesome, awesome. Uh, just gift from the Lord, and she's growing. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, you had more on that question, I think, and why you love, yeah. what, you love it when people say, I'm not ready. Yeah, where if I ask somebody that question, and if I hear, uh, no, I'm not ready for that, I love that answer because that helps me understand that the individual I'm talking with understands the gospel and they actually understand the cost of the commitment that they're about to make. 
Um, so for somebody to say, no, I've got to think about this, I've got to count the cost, for me is refreshing. But I don't let them off the hook. I want to follow up maybe a week or two or three later and see how those things are, are going, just yeah. like you did. Yeah. So. All right, another question. Are you a born-again Christian? Again, just like very blunt to the point question, but uh, I became friends with a gal who is in a Bible study with me. She'd been coming to Highland for years, and I just really didn't have a good gauge where she was at. So we were talking about church involvement, this Bible study, and I was just, I just am still kind of struggling. Like, I just kind of want to straight up ask, like, are you a born-again Christian? And she kind of just looked at me and was like, I don't know. I was like, well, then that's a pretty loaded question. So let me back up and explain what I even mean by that, if that's okay. Uh, so that's, yeah, just kind of a... How did that, how did that conversation end? Out. Yeah. <laughs> she, she gave her life to the Lord. She just had this perception that Christ, becoming a Christian was like a 12-step kind of thing. Like, I got to go to church. I've got to serve. I've got to get involved. I've got to be reading my Bible, and then I'm good. I'm like... It is a decision that you can make tonight, hmm. and you don't want to wait to make it because you don't know when your last day on earth is going to be. Yeah. Like, I don't want to scare you into this decision. This is a big decision. Yeah. It's just but, a good reminder, too, not to just make assumptions about mm -hmm. people that we might go to church with, right? right? We never want to assume uh, somebody's right. spiritual heart. So. Yeah, just bluntly ask. How about our number eight? Our number They're eight. number seven. Sure. This is a fun numbers game. It is. Uh, what about being a Christian isn't appealing to you? Hmm. Uh, I was at Tyne and Cellar with a friend uh, a few weeks ago. Great restaurant. So good. Good choice. Thank you. I try. It's like three restaurants in Wausau, but they're good. So oh, they're good. it's growing. La Taqueria last night. Shameless plug. Oh, yeah. Good also tacos. Great. Yep. First time there. Yep. So anyway, we're at Tyne and Cellar and... I know this guy is not a believer, and he is really close to me. I've been praying for him for years, and it's just kind of been this, like, why not? Like, you know the truth. You know what being a Christian looks like. You've seen joy on display. And that was just kind of the question that I felt like the Lord put on my heart in the midst of just, where are you at? You know, what, what's going on spiritually? And what about being a Christian isn't appealing to you? And he's honest. I so appreciate his honesty. Uh, he says, you know, I think I'd just be missing out. I kind of like my own life. And it's a relationship where I feel like I can push a little bit more than others because he's stuck with me. And I said, you know, I, th I think we see that really differently. Yeah, it's a decision that would be a sacrifice. There is loss. But the gain is so much more than anything that you would ever give up. It is so much better to know the Lord than to just get to do your own thing. Hmm. So hmm. that question of you know, why, why not and what about this life isn't appealing to you because maybe you're not seeing it rightly. Because we've all said, nah, I'm, I'm good, but not necessarily known the fullness of what we're truly missing out on. I'm excited for the Ecclesiastes study because of that, because yeah. we have received the best gift we could ever have in receiving Christ. There are so many implications, joyful implications of knowing Christ and helping other people see the fullness of that is 
hard, but a joyful endeavor. Yeah. Last question we'll cover is... The crazy plane question. <laughs> yeah. What do you think happens <laughs> after you after die? You die? Uh, it requires the ominous what, voice. What's the, uh, what's the craziest response you've ever gotten to that question? What do you think it happens It was on a you? plane, yeah. <laughs> Actually? It was. <laughs> okay. So I knew we, I've only got so much time. Did you time. ask right when you sat down? No, okay, thankfully not. We were on the ground at that point. Okay. So it was like a rushed dynamic and I'm literally like, we're, we're on the way out the ter- of the terminal, like waiting for my ride to pick me up. And oh, I'm so you like, we're already off the plane. We're already off the plane. We've been having spiritual conversations. I'm trying to like land this own plane. Okay. <laughs> All the planes. And I'm like, where do I go? I just need him to see, like, this is a decision that you need to make. And so, kind of like, what do you think is going to happen after you die? And he, in a lot of maybes and ums and, uh, you know, was like, I think after we die, we'll have a few minutes to decide and, you know, get right with God. It's like, that's a pretty big gamble. If that's something you see as a legitimate need, why are you going to like hope that you have a few minutes after you die to make that decision? Hmm. There were a lot of maybes for something that terrifying. Yeah. So like, is that what you want to believe? Because yeah. that's kind of a convenient thing to believe. Yeah. Or is that what you actually believe? Because that is far different than what I believe and what the Bible says to be true. Hmm. It's an idea that uh, I've heard from a, an apologist that when we have a spiritual conversation with someone, we just want to leave a rock in their shoe. I love that picture, that instead of feeling like sometimes we've got to make it through the entire gospel or the entire, entire uh, narrative of, of scripture, we want to leave them something that they can chew on that until they resolve their question, they're not going to forget about, just like a rock in their shoe. My part two to the Frisbee conversation was uh, this young man actually took me up on the offer to grab coffee. And it wasn't too long ago that we were sitting down at a local coffee shop and and he was kind of all over the place, and I could tell he didn't really want to talk about Martin Luther and have a spiritual conversation. Um, so this is frisbee small talk. Yeah, but <laughs> don't bring it up over coffee. So we were kind of all over the place, but I knew I had one final question that I could ask, and um, I'd already asked him. You know, if you were to die today and stand before God, what do you, what do you, what would he, what do you think he'd say, or what would you say? Why should he let you into heaven? Um, and his answer was, well, you know, Sam, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. That's why God would let me in, which is not, not the right answer. None of us are good enough to enter into eternity. We all need to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So I knew that was a bit of a problem, um, but I, I, all I had was one final question. So I looked at him and said, friend, before next time we talk, I just want you to chew on this question. We're not gonna talk about it today. How good is good enough? How good is good enough for you to, to enter into heaven? We'll talk about it next time. Um, and we're still waiting on part two. So I'm, I'm okay. hoping and praying that he's thinking part about three. it. Part three. That would be part three. Yes, if you count you know, but numbers, frisbee, Sam, numbers. Yeah, it's fine. not my strong suit, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but things like that. I sometimes pray that the Lord would keep this person up at night. Help them wrestle with this. Don't let them just ignore this. I know, I don't pray for you to stay awake Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. That just yeah. sounds like a... Like, it sounds mean, wow. I know. I, it I'm makes sense. Jerk. It just kind of... But that same concept of... Yeah. I want this to bother you. Of anything to be bothered by, be bothered by this. Yeah. So I hope those questions are helpful. Um, maybe some tools that you can use in engaging conversations, kind of taking them to the next level. Our third step on engaging in a spiritual conversation is share your gospel story. 
share your gospel story. We need to find a connection from their story, bridge to our story, and then through that, share the gospel. So we just, we cannot make the assumption that people are going to clue in. They're going to think that you are religious, that your faith matters to you at best. They are not going to be able to explain the one-minute gospel elevator conversation. They're just not going to put the pieces together. People are too wrapped up in their own lives, right? So we have to be very direct and forward about what the gospel is. How do we use our story to do that? That can be as simple as, hey, I've, I'm so thankful that you've shared with me. Can I tell you what I believe? Can I share my story with you and what God's done mm-hmm. in my own life? So instead of just like waiting to assume that they're going to ask, mm-hmm. what's your story? Yeah. You know, actually saying, you know, can I, can I right? share what Jesus means to me yeah. with you? And people feel like socially obligated. Oh, you've listened to me. You're right. I should probably listen <laughs> to you. So um, you can use that to our advantage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Kindly, you know. And... So it could be something like that, or it can be, hey, you know, I've also really wrestled through anxiety. I get it. Can I tell you what God has done hmm. in my life to meet this need? Relate to them at that level of also needing the Lord. It's a very genuine way to talk about what God has done yeah. Yeah. and say, I can't manufacture what I need. Only God can meet me in my need. Yeah. And in those moments, being crystal clear, being explicit about the gospel, trying to avoid Jesus jargon, like, I prayed a prayer, I accepted Jesus as my savior, but being really clear about what happened when you crossed the line from death to life, when when Jesus changed your life, when you believed in him as your savior, and being crystal clear about the gospel while you're sharing your story, not making any of those assumptions. And there we are. We are, we are all We're the way back to way our back one to, minute. How do you do that? How do you, how do you get to the point where right. we can have our one minute gospel pitch? So before I let everybody go to small groups, give, give us maybe one final thing. Sure. One, one final thing you want to leave everybody with. Tonight. Sure. It is nerve wracking, but it is also incredibly joyful. Sharing the gospel is something I feel like the Lord has put heavy on my heart. And so there are times where He puts it on my heart to talk to a seventh grader at the Y, and I'm, like, nervous. I'm, like, what is wrong with me? Like, I should not care what this person thinks of me. You know, like, I know who I am. So I give you full right to be nervous because it matters. But please don't forget that this is incredibly joyful to be part of the spiritual journey in other people's lives, to be part of God pursuing unbelievers. So there's a lot tonight. And maybe you feel like the bar is like really high and that's fine. But our goal is that each one of us can walk away with a takeaway or two on how we can take that next step in engaging those around us, those in our spheres in spiritual conversation. So let me pray for, you, pray for us and then we'll divide up into our small groups. Uh, Father, um, we think of um, what Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are few and we need to actively pray that you'll send out more people into the harvest. And may our young adult family be the answer, part of the answer to that prayer, that we can be um, excited about sharing the good news of the gospel with family members, with friends, that we can be quick to engage in spiritual conversations, that when you open the door, we won't hesitate, that we'll walk right through. 
um, and that we will boldly and unashamedly and joyfully share the message of our Savior uh, with those around us. May you do a great work uh, in and through our young adult family beyond what we could even ask or imagine. So as we spend some time dialoguing in our small groups tonight, and may you guide our discussion, may it be helpful and honoring to you. Um, we uh, give the rest of our night to you. Uh, in Jesus' name.